Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Oh, we're back. We're doing it again. Third time's the charm on this intro. Doing it again for a third time because we all can't get our shit term. right tonight, gang. Can't get it right tonight. This is already a re-recording of an episode. It's going great over here, gang. Nothing, I was, nothing to see here. I was gonna say all the times of the charm because I lost count. You're, I'm, you're just guessing a third in my head. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's been it's, it's been good so far. Been an adventure. And now we get to get into Mark's Madness Pod. You know yeah. the thing where we read books. Yeah. Uh, my name's Nathan. My name's David. And this week in current events, uh, well, not this week. It'll be last week for you. We always we're we're a week ahead. We're in a little weird schedule right yes. now where we're we're one week ahead of you. So like this is from the past. Don't judge us too harshly, mm-hmm. uh, or judge us extremely harshly if our analysis is completely garbage. <laughs> but you know it. Just, just, just bear with us. I so, think as I think our analysis is good because it's grounded in material reality. We're not trying to predict the future, and even when we do, we tend to get stuff right. But we're going to be on the right side of history. Uh, yeah, that okay. Again, I'm David says that. I'm just saying, please don't judge us um, <laughs> too harshly for again the things that we get we're right in or little wrong. Podcasters. Yeah, woo. Um, but to, on today, two twenty-two of uh, twenty-two, the the day with all twos in it. Uh, we the, some shits happened. So we recorded an episode on Sunday, lost that audio, which is fine because almost all the analysis has to go out the window because things changed. Yes, um, rapidly, rapidly. Now, not that the analysis itself was wrong, but just that uh, it, we it, have new input. Changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, that being said, it is definitely uh, some 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 scary times, David. It's a little bit uh, as a as a dumb dumb person. I am uh, a little bit. I, it, it took a long time and a lot of talking to you and a lot of reading more than I ever thought I would need to about uh, Ukraine and its various uh, sub regions. Yes, and and different ethnic ethnic minorities and yes. r- groups and oh man, it was fun. Uh, it's, that be it's fun getting into the subjects you get into. You remember when we had to do Belarus and we had the debate over the English translation because it's never been clear, right? Belarusian and no. Belarusian are are both in in actual like Belarusian or Belarusian whatever language? It's much simpler, right? It's yeah. uh, it's Belaruska, and um and and when it's uh, the the language is Belaruska Mava, right? And and that's it. It's simple, done. That's it. There, yeah. There's no different. And, and instead, it's like, well, is it Belarusian? Is it Belarusian in English? And translation suck. And for you to understand Ukraine now, you've been like deep diving history and euro maiden and all that shit and it it's just yeah, it's, just a blast when you got to get context it's been great gang let me tell you um and and the speaking of things that are great the takes on twitter who mm. they're hot yes. they're hot they're spicy and i i think david we need to uh do some distilling down so uh sure. kind of in, in recap of of what we kind of well, talked I, about i do kind of want to do a little bit of self correction so I, okay, please I do. do. I do our edits on our episodes, so I realized in the last episode, and it wasn't worth editing, but I realized I've trended into something. When I don't deal with the subject for a while, right, what's in my head just kind of sticks as true sometimes, and then I got to go back and go, oh, wait, I've just been saying that's true, and I know it's not. And so I've been saying that Zelensky has just been there since the, the Euro Maiden coup, right? And he has been the leader of ukraine since 2019 right um when that election yeah. it gets a lot of good pr um basically from his servant of the people series that he wrote and produced and acted in and i'll be frank his politics are awful he's a terrible human being that i i do not like um and within ukraine or, or on the world stage but from what I've gotten from that, that show, it's fucking hilarious. And, and you could be an evil person, unfortunately, be a good political satire comedian somehow. Um, but he <laughs> took over in 2019, uh, after being elected and gaining that PR and having the, the opportunity to win that election because of the man that took over in the 2014 Euro maiden coup who never was elected. Uh, and that was Petro Poroshenko. So just so you know, it, it wasn't Zelensky since then. It's Petro Poroshenko who elevated, uh, the Azov battalion, uh, who took power in the Euro maiden coup. Vladimir Zelensky um, has been uh, the um, 
president since 2019 um, and has uphold, upheld all of the same things and has been tr- and trying to enter NATO and work very closely with the U.S. as Nazism just grows in Ukraine under him. So terrible shit person, continuation of the same power, all the analysis is the same, which is why it wasn't worth correct, you know, redoing or cutting out or anything like that. But for the, the efforts of correction, since we do these all the time, um, he was not the immediate president after you're a maiden. That was Poroshenko. Yes. Ukraine's fun billionaire president. Cause everyone needs a turn at that these days. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you gotta, gotta get all your billionaires in office. Uh, but ever. So, things that have happened in the last 48 hours yes uh vladimir putin uh got out on tv and did a very long uh presentation uh the the crux of which centered around the fact that uh russia will be recognizing the uh breakaway republics in the lpr and dpr yeah uh in the eastern region of the ukraine uh the immediate the the, the speech I want to do the speech a little bit. I want to do a little bit of that yes. because there there are some. It, this it, goes back to this goes back to the to a very blunt question I asked you this afternoon, which I think we have to say from time to time, even because our I don't know if people would confuse our analysis. Yeah, Vladimir Putin doesn't like communists, gang. <laughs> I don't know if you need to hear that right now. Um, and I, I hope that this isn't coming as a shock, like that that we you feel betrayed that I'm saying this. Um, but Vladimir Putin doesn't like communists. No. Um, he will use their legacy in ways that prop up other things he wants to do. He will strategically engage them on the world stage again in ways that forward his interests, which are as we've discussed, right wing nationalist Russian interests. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like communists. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and saying that he does is not a good look. So please don't do that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, that doesn't mean you shouldn't debunk lies and fear mongering and the horrible exactly. evil we talked about before, right? When we talk about, I think just last episode, we said, when we talk about it's not about lies, it's about uh, emphasis, emphasis, right? That doesn't mean that there aren't lies, but that means that yes. the caricature, the tone, what what gets coverage, what doesn't, all of that goes into the lies and is more important than the lie itself. And so if you want to, you know, Putin, giant, evil, tin pot, boogeyman out to, to crush the world and expand... Putting him up as this boogeyman, this this expansionist, irrational monster man, and he's he's just not right. He's a right wing nationalist, but he's not a right wing nationalist along the lines of uh, of so. And, and he's a right wing nationalist who is anti communist, which sounds pretty fascist. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that, I mean that you don't have. There's not too many steps between that and right. Fascist. But we're not talking an overt fascist. In fact, you know, he's not as right wing as I would even say, like the United States or most of the leaders they prop up are, or Yeltsin before him in Russia, who basically handpicked Putin. Uh, but Putin famously, you know, stabilized the economy after the 15 years of sadness. Um, Putin, his main um, uh, rivals in Russia are not uh, the right wing, ready to genocide Muslims. Um, Russia, uh, what is it called? Russia. I, I suddenly can't think of Russia first. Russia first, yeah, or something Russia like first. that, or um, you know, no, that sounds like America first. I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I can't, I can't remember what what the the Russian party is that that's like you know ninth or tenth in the elections that America wants to pretend is is the ultimate competitor rather than the communist party. Right. Um, that said, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Putin still. Uh, has a lot of geopolitical reasons, uh, because he dared not let the United States control the energy in Russia, um, in order to help stabilize that economy to oppose American imperialism. Uh, he, in a lot of veins of that, does a lot kind of incidentally. <laughs> Uh, to uphold mm-hmm. communism, right? Like empowers China, helps like not communist countries, but countries communists would support an anti-imperialist passion like Syria from collapsing, uh, has the CSTO agreements with Belarus. Um, and of course, the more recent news we'll get into now. That doesn't mean Putin himself has any affinity for communism. In fact, his main opponents are communists in his country. Yes. And so, again, Vlad- this is not 
don't don't hear what is not being said. This is not a lot of 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 yay. Putin's a great guy. We love Putin. Like this is not Stalin did nothing no, wrong. This is a material okay? analysis of what of who Putin is, of what he means geopolitically, and of how he's not the super point of evil that we hear he is. That doesn't mean he's not good, but we also don't need the nuanced like neither Moscow no nor Washington. I, I exactly. know we're not talking about communism now when we say that, but it's it's still not a good so you don't want to like start thinking like, look, I'm no fan of Putin. That doesn't help you. <laughs> exactly. So again, this is this is a little bit behind this. This is a little bit behind the curtain of again. What do you? What lo- what is your line? What do well, you when you're going out and engaging with an uninterest with a you know a completely uninvolved party? You have to be clear. You have to be direct. You have mm-hmm. to not mince words and and kind of wish wash and give give opportunities for for it to look like you're you're saying something you're not. Yes. Here, this discussion we assume is among principled comrades yes. and the kind of people that that needs that the kind of place where we can have these kind of discussions. Yeah, there's um and and have this. There's nuance. times where you don't say things because people don't really care that you're trying to get the truth right. They're looking for a weakness in in, in your argument in order to be sophists, right? And so if mm-hmm. you say like, "Well, I'm no exactly. fan of Putin," well, aha, he's evil. Why why do I care about anything you're saying? And that's not just someone who's trying to take you down. Maybe someone who's trying to agree with you and learn from you, but every other resource, when they turn around, is going to be Putin is evil, Putin is evil, Putin is evil, and then you let in, like, Putin is evil, you're not really combating that very well, right? You've got to focus on what they're lying about, what's actually happening. With us, we're still going to more focus on what they're lying about and what's actually happening, or we wouldn't have these current event sessions. We just trust you to know, but we feel a little more okay to be like, Putin's not, like, our, our super fave communist guy right he's just a guy that we have an understanding is not invading ukraine as an expansionist bloodthirsty monster who we should oppose because he's totally imperialist too exactly so whether or not whether or not this is this is you want to call this russian imperialism you want to look into this it, it doesn't it doesn't appear to be so based on the material conditions no. and based on everything else that we're analyzing mm-hmm. here and that and that goes into it with all the context that David has kind of given along the yeah. way and that we'll hopefully give a little bit more of now. But it, 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 again, it is important to recognize the same things that David laid out very early on when this was all kind of percolating weeks ago. Um, what, what were the what were the material motivations? Why would the U.S. want to saber rattle their way into a war? Why would all this happen? That has all played out. <laughs> Biden comes out two weeks or a week or so. I don't know after we recorded that episode. Just saying we'll um, stop Nord Stream 2. He just said it. We'll stop Nord Stream 2. Just said the quiet Today, a huge part of the sanctions that got levied today in response uh, to what's going on. Um, directly directly saying Nord Stream 2 is dead. Like all of this, all of this is playing out in ex- targeting exactly the same things we talked mm-hmm. about, all the same stuff. So that all still makes sense. The part that that was hairy um, and that took me a little while to kind of work through and, and see kind of the background of, and again, knowing all this context has been important, um, was what ended up happening, the, the big that we've been dancing around, which was Vladimir Putin, again, recognizing the LPR and the DPR, mm-hmm. um, and then saying that he was going to bring peacekeeping troops in there to protect these new autonomous regions that have just been recognized. I mean, there are very literally um, tanks there now. Exactly, yeah. like that. Yeah. that Which happened. he did not. The trick is he again, did not bring anything into Ukraine proper that is not in the LPR and DPR. So he did not DPR. invade Ukraine unless you don't recognize the LPR and DPR. Exactly, which is where again you get back to we've discussed Crimea mm-hmm. and how this is not so. This is a little different than Crimea. Crimea did did this did this in a different manner, but it doesn't necessarily negate what's happening. Which is you have a group of people that feel ethnically, socially, in whatever way connected to another country. They vote in in the Crimea's case, they voted. Uh, they went through that democratic mechanism to say we would prefer to be a part of of Russia. That went through region again that gets framed as the annexing of the crimea however you want to look at that um this happened a little differently this was a much this was much uh much more uh, a small group of people that quickly became a large group of people um in response to the euro maiden coup uh 
essentially at the, at, you know as as this was happening uh broke off and and decided no we're we're this is we're not going to be a part of that that is not the the direction we see our ourselves going or our people mm-hmm. going uh we're going to form these autonomous regions these these new new people's republics as i think they were called yeah. um and and then over the course of this eight year war and this is where i'll kind of turn it over to david the uh, the terms kind of switched uh the this this stopped being this again you have a small group of people growing into a larger polity that that are that aren't sure again polling wise they're they're a mixed group of people what do they want what is their goal kind of became nebulous but but you have two forces kind of fighting on either side of each other so david kind of yeah in recap what was yeah this what is the role this is realistically here? has been an eight-year civil war now the fighting hasn't been constant there's been essentially three waves of action the most recent being the third wave um by uh, the Ukrainian forces, specifically the Azov Battalion and other Ukrainian neo-Nazis. Um, and if you get into what Putin actually says, right, you know, I mean, he said, and here's his words, you know, after the 2014 coup in Ukraine, part of the population did not accept the outcome. Um, and this was, you know, a anti-constitutional bloodshedding coup that killed many innocent people. It was truly an armed coup. Nobody can argue that. I certainly hope nobody tries to argue that. It was taken over by neo-Nazis. They ran pogroms. Uh, Putin did cite the famous Odessa fire, um, which was a, you know, fucking... People were packed into a building and it was set on fire. It was a, it was a mass murder, right? Like, I mean, the whole thing. It was a mass yeah, murder. Yeah, it was... It was it, again, it was very much in the style of a pogrom. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, Roma people have been terrorized by these troops. Uh, anyone seen as being pro-Russia has been terrorized by these groups. In fact, this is all piggybacking off the 2008 coup, which was originally to side a little more with NATO. And then the people that took over in that coup were like, yeah, Russia's just given us a better deal. We need to do what's best for our country. And then all of a sudden, the Euro Maiden coup came out and it was very, very violent and, and much more explicitly fascistic, right? Um, and so Russia does not want NATO to keep expanding east, uh, which Putin you know sites right and and i think most people by now hopefully know that that the reunification of germany came with an agreement technically you know the west will say the soviet union doesn't exist anymore and and you know blah 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 but the agreement was with with all the countries that made up the soviet union which still includes the russian federation right it was called i know there's a lot of other ssrs uh, that were in the USSR, but Russia was called the Russian Federation. It has not changed names, even though it changed the, yeah. the, the government back to like a presidential structure in a Duma. It has not even changed names since the USSR is very much technically the same country, even if it's not communist anymore. Um, and so, you know, um, these countries that, that this agreement with are still there. And the point was NATO was not supposed to expand eastward. Well, it's expanded eastward into some of these countries, right? Romania used to be an SSR. And all of a sudden, by 2000, it was in NATO or probably 2002. It was in NATO, you know, and that's right, right up close to Russia. And so, you know, it's been moving towards Ukraine. Well, ever since then, communists, um, Russian empathizing people, just people in the East, which tend to be more left-wing, um, especially in the Southeast Donbass region, uh, were trying to bring about some level of autonomy because they did not want to be overthrown with these Overrun with these fascists who, I mean, spent the, the protests knocking down Lenin statues and spent the years after the, the Euro maiden coup knocking down Lenin statues and putting up like Waffen SS, um, you know, uh, uh, memorials, um, in their place, especially grotesque when you realize not only is that like knocking down Lenin for Waffen SS, but those weren't Lenin statues that were put up out of love for Lenin. They were put up as celebrations of the victory of World War II against the Nazis. So it's like, oh yeah, no, okay. <laughs> this is just Nazi shit. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we've talked about the Azov Battalion being very explicit neo-Nazis, right? Who, who want to defeat the, the undermensch in the, the name of the white race and make the Ukraine the, the place that the white race's great victory comes from. They've been very explicit in saying that. Um, and so, uh, the Donex, the, the I can't ever pronounce it. The Donetsk, um, People's Republic, 
um, and the Lugansk People's Republic, the LPR and DPR within the Donbass were formed, right? And these are, this is not like 97% of people voted to move to Russia or 70 or 80% of people voted to move to Russia and then became part of Russia, like Crimea. These are people wanted autonomy, not to be part of Russia, autonomy. And we're talking like, you know, maybe 40% want autonomy within Ukraine, 20% want their own. Um, autonomy, but you're still a majority want autonomy. They don't want to be fully ruled by Ukraine and they're being hunted by these Nazis in between supposedly having Russian sympathies and wanting some amount of, of, of autonomy. You can't go, well, they still kind of want to be federalized under Ukraine. It's like, look, get fucking shelled to death by Nazis or don't. It's a binary that the Nazis created in here, right? That the Azov Battalion has created. And Russia, the Duma, especially the communists within the Duma, have been pushing Putin to recognize uh, these, you know, People's Republic, these new countries, right, and and defend them. And Putin and and some of the other nationalists' party have not really wanted to. They've wanted like peace with Ukraine, and so they started this like Minsk agreement. Let's say like you're making a financial agreement with someone. As you're making a financial agreement, they're stealing out of your bank account. It's like, well, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> Like, why? I'm not going to yeah. finish this agreement. This is bullshit. And so the Minsk grant seemed to be going well. It lo- and Zelensky had been screaming at the West to stop saber rattling. It's hurting his economy. He was ready to come together with Russia in talks with Germany and France. And all of that kind of has fallen through because the Azov Battalion, whether it's under Zelensky's direction, which he's technically in charge, or just straight up from the U.S. direction, since the U.S. was using the Azov, has always used the Azov as, as an agent um, of, of Western interference and was was having them like train and do propaganda against Russian invasion when Zelensky was asking not to have the saber rattle. And whoever it was, the Azov started shelling the LPR and the DPR again. So Russia evacuated thousands of people from these areas to... Um, so in addition to that, uh, Russia has officially recognized the LPR and DPR and did not invade Ukraine. In fact, just a couple days before this, there was this Western bullshit. So it's always been Russia annexed Crimea. Even the Crimean people voted to secede from Ukraine and become part of Russia. And Russia just put in troops to protect it after that vote. Russia did not annex Crimea. Um, Belarus is a completely different country. It's not part of Russia. And Russia was working military exercises with them and decided to keep troops in Belarus because of the raising tensions after the 20th, a couple days ago, and just said they would extend the troops' stay. That's it. And the U.S. was claiming this was proof of some southward takeover of Kiev and Belarus's been annexed by russia it was such a dumb imperialist talking point and then it came and went like a flash in the pan because just about the same time the shelling was happening at the dpr and the lpr and putin decided to recognize them and then put defenses um in the front of them against the azov battalion and that is what has happened now and and it's it's very funny not funny funny is the wrong word i apologize no (laughs) ironic I don't even know if it's that. It's just kind of fucked up to see a bunch of people because this has turned into a lot of people on Twitter just relitigating the national question in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, yes. It is literally like out of it's like it's like I wonder what it would have been like at the time to, to you know what would the debate have been around the national question it's like go on Twitter right now and you well, will see what the debate around the fucking national question is. Well the amazing thing is is our opponents will see the facile comparison to like Syria and stuff right and they won't ask this expecting to support the DPR and LPR and Russia's actions here they they're they're wanting to oppose Russia's actions here and they still want to to you know support Rojava and Hong Kong and Tibet and and whatever the shit right but they'll see the facile comparison and they'll be like well isn't it hypocritical if you don't if you don't support that break off and, and they won't see the reverse of that, which should be very obvious and makes them hypocrites and makes them very obviously full of shit. So what are they talking about? But their comparisons are facile. They need that hypocrisy does debunk that. We're looking from the other lens at each individual, each individual situation materially, right? Yeah. And this is not Russia or the United States. De- like Russia didn't destabilize Ukraine and form up the LPR and the DPR itself and warmonger and saber rattle and, and bomb it away and then take, you know, control of those two regions for some natural resources, right? Those are actual like organic 
revolutions that were caused by a U.S. Western back coup taking over the whole country. Otherwise, those people would be satisfied with being part of Ukraine that Russia is simply defending versus the other ones are Western interference and, and CIA cutouts or attempts at cutouts and color revolutions uh, in order for the balkanization of countries, balkanization that we've seen be very, very deadly from Yugoslavia to South Sudan to uh, the Congo um, over the years and and all of the NATO motivations uh, that go into the, those balkanizations. This is different. This is ending fighting uh, from someone that broke away organically. Um, so you will see that. And, and that does bring up the national question, right? These are people that self-determine. They have fought and, and they want to determine their own future. And because of that, they should deserve to and you should support that for the sake of their own self-determination. Right. Which and I don't, kind- th- I don't think no, no, Putin is doing this altruistically or in the name of the national question. But if we understand the national question, that is still the right move for Russia. Yeah. Let's let's also be very clear. Putin is not doing it for the national question because no. he came out and said Ukraine was created by Lenin. Right. Um, which is so which is a, pretty much that's, pretty much spitting in the face of the national question. Yeah. Let's let's be very clear. Right. Like the, Ukraine was cre- Ukraine was created because of its history as 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 a colonized part of the Austria-Hungarian and then later um, Romanov dynasties, um, yes. finding its own independence and autonomy. It's been its own thing for a long time, and it was defined in the Russia Revolution as its own thing because of the national question. This is a right-wing talking point to basically say Ukraine is illegitimate and should be part of Russia, which, how does that not also include Belarus? How does that not also include anything that was part of the, the Romanov Empire and and it's it's just bullshit and it is like you just said nathan a spit in the face of the national question so putin's not not doing this for that he's a russian nationalist let's be very very clear exactly so again there are just this one is this this but he did also he he did that line is bad but he did also say a lot of he did also say a lot of rational things going through the history of the coups in Ukraine, of the agreements in 97 and 99 and the early 2000s, saying that NATO wouldn't expand eastward NATO and the agreements with Russia uh, that have not been upheld by NATO. Yes. Right. Again, and he did say is- he did say also that like it, I love the line that like you can't um, an agreement isn't that we come here or what is it? A we menu, know we can't. The menu. Yeah. Yeah, we know we can't dictate terms, but terms are also not a menu for you to select to your tastes. Yes. Right. Again, there, there's a lot. This is this issue is only contentious because it is difficult to navigate through. Mm-hmm. And there are a, it is it is not if if all of these decisions were clear cut and easy, we'd all have the same opinion all the time. And this would be very simple, but it's not. It's fucking hard and that's why it is important to be in a group to be around other people to be able to talk about this because i i i struggle with this a lot it's hard it's fucking hard it's like, also why it's important to have the theory simple. guiding us it's also why it's yes. important yes yeah that's what yeah and that's what i was getting to is that that's why that's why we read this stuff and we try and have analysis because mm-hmm. every once in a while the thing you're reading is directly relevant to the thing that is happening that was how i felt the entire time throughout black reconstruction you know having all of this uh, everything going on with the that 2020 election and all the the nonsense and the 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 but amongst black lives matter and all this stuff and and having that work be able to so clearly articulate what was why this is happening what the historical roots of it were made that easier now if i'd have stumbled upon the national question a little bit earlier you know this twitter debate would have been more funded for the last couple weeks but you know i'm behind and i got work to do (laughs) foundations Um, of leninism god damn it we'll get there eventually but now that we've uh, found, speaking of uh, foundations of Leninism, one of Lenin's foundational works was imperialism, and we're reading the follow-up to that, the sequel, if you will. It's not a sequel; it's its own independent work. I don't want to, you know, denigrate it in that way. But we are reading Neo-Colonialism: The Last Stage of Imperialism by Kwame Nkrumah, and we're going to continue doing that for about half of this episode. You got exactly half an episode of reading, guys. You're welcome. This is the second time me and David are reading this, so we'll 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 do better this time. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, launching right in on chapter sixteen: monetary zones and foreign banks. 
The UN Economic Commission for Africa's Standing Committee for Trade has recently described the African continent as riddled with different trade regimes and payment systems supplemented in most cases by specific economic ties with countries or groupings of countries outside Africa. One of the most effective ways in which Britain and France have retained economic ties with former colonial territories is through action to ensure that the new states remained in the monetary zones centered on London and Paris. There are seven major currency groups in Africa. The French franc zone, the sterling area, the Belgian franc area, the Spanish peseta, and the Portuguese escudo areas. The South African rand area and the countries like the United Arab Republic and the Congo, Leopoldville, with separate currency units. By far, the greater part of Africa's trade comes within the Sterling area and the French franc zones of Africa. The Sterling area has been somewhat looser than the franc bloc. For example, Nigeria and Ghana have established their own currencies and their own central banks, though they continue for the most part to keep their international reserves in the form of Sterling. When I opened the Bank of Ghana at the end of July 1959, I spoke of the decisive part played by a central bank in the economic life of a country. Our political independence will be meaningless unless we use it so as to obtain economic and financial self-government and independence. In order to obtain that, in order to obtain this, it is of absolute and paramount importance that a central bank should be set up by the government. In setting up the Bank of Ghana, we obtained assistance from the Bank of England, but our bank has always followed a policy designed to secure our economic independence and to foster the general development of the country. The Bank of Ghana, like other banks set up in a similar way, has no claim on foreign exchange reserves of England, but has complete control over its own foreign exchange earnings. The East African Currency Board is the main multinational monetary institution in the Sterling area. It embraces Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda in Africa, and Aden outside the region. With the currency freely convertible at a fixed rate to the pound sterling, the member countries of the Currency Board have no control over domestic money supplies. In the long run, they are, these are controlled by export and import levels and foreign investment flows, and in the short, by lending policies of the London banks. Under this arrangement, nationally directed growth often leads to a shortage of currency, which hinders expansion. In Britain, the names of the big five banks are household names. These banks, with their immense resources, are closely linked with big industrialists to form a small and specially powerful group with worldwide interests. In 1950 typo, the 147 directors of the big five banks held between them 1,008 directorships, of which 299 were in other financial institutions, such as other banks, insurance companies, and investment trusts. Many of the biggest companies have directors on the boards of more than one of the big banks. The more the interlocking takes place, the less one can say, this one a financier and that one is an industrialist. There emerges a group of finance capitalists dominating both finance and industry. That is 100% a tieback to imperialism the first time around, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and very, very pointedly so. The dangers, therefore, of too close ties with foreign banks are apparent, yet the large participations of foreign banks and African banks may be seen from the following. What follows is two pages of uh, Nkrumah listing every bank that has every connection to every other bank within all of Africa. Yeah, so uh, it let is me, like two pages. Yeah, let me say two two things about it. we're not going to go through two pages and, and say, but it's going to go like, you know, uh, Sudan, Rwanda, Libya. It'll talk about the Sahara Bank and Tripoli and how that's Bank of America. It'll talk about there's Society General in there. Um You'll see Morgan in there. I mean, all the big players that that you expect. Um, it does do something interesting here, and I do want to point it out, right? And it makes me, I again, there's Society General de Belgique, which is is Belgian, and then there's Society General, which I think is French. It gets a little confusing there. I think it's French too. Yeah, but um, so the whole book, he's gone Congo, Brazzaville, or Congo, Leopoldville. For anyone confused, we're not listing Congo and listing Brazzaville or listing Congo and then listing Leopoldville. That's in parentheses afterward, and that is the capital of these Congos. Um, present is day, it? there's, yeah, present day, there's the Republic of Congo, which used to belong to France. Um, and had a much more anti-communist, uh, leader upon its independence. Um, so a, a little bit of a different, uh, path there. And its capital is still called Brazzaville. I'm pretty sure the capital of the Democratic, 
uh, Republic of the Congo, which is the big Congo you think of from the, the, you know, wars from the nineties and from Patrice Lumumba being cooed. Um, that is what he's talking about when he's talking about Congo Leopoldville. And here he still says Congo Leopoldville, but then he actually, instead of saying Congo Brazzaville, actually says Republic of Congo. I don't know why he took that long to say Republic of Congo. <laughs> what the hell, he had Nkrumah? A, I'm going to assume Nkrumah had a goddamn good reason. Uh, but that being said, we have now uh, forward three pages. If you're reading along with us, just skip to the end of where it lists every bank that it controls yeah, when, every country when it's in Africa. Going, to the list you'll know you get to the end because it's tunisia madagascar south africa and we're at that little paragraph after that yep david you want to take over yeah in addition there are a number of other banks functioning throughout africa such as the british bank of the middle east which operates in tunisia and morocco and libya and national and grinlay's bank with branches and agencies in the somali republic a recently established bank in the Merchant Bank of Central Africa, which is a creation of the Rothschild Banking Group, and the Bank Lambert has a participation as well as Media Banca. Reports of the important French banks for their financial year 1963-64 to indicate the way in which they are adapting themselves to the new conditions of independent states without losing any of their former influence. The following report of the Comptior Nana Escompte de Paris – appeared in Le Monde in 16 June 1964. It says, we have asserted a new form of our policy in Africa. We opened in April. We indicated last year the Bank de Scampte de Credit à l'Industrie en Tunise, BIT, which we have founded in Tunis with the Bank Industrielle de l'Afrique du Nord, BAIN, and the Morgan Guarantee International Banking Corporation. Got to, can't get out of here without the Morgans. Uh, this new establishment has taken over our local branches and those of the BIAN. We also decided to create with Malagasy government the Bank Malgache d'Escompte at de Credit, B-A-M-E-S, to which we have since ceded our agencies in Madagascar and which is presided over by a Malagasy personality administered by a joint board and managed by a representative. We hope to give this traditional sector of our influence a new drive and to emphasize, therefore, the position we have held in Madagascar since 1885. In Algeria, we are retaining only an agency in Algiers, where in spite of the circumstances, we have maintained some activity. Three days earlier, on 13 June 1964, Le Monde contained a report of the activities of Credit Lyonnais. In Morocco, we have during the month of February 1963, with the help of the Bank Moroccan du Camer Exterior, proceeded to transform our agencies in a company under Moroccan law. The BMCEE, I will say these acronyms do make all the freaking French a little easier, <laughs> has taken up an important participation in the registered capital of six million dirhams of the new company, which functions under the registered title of Credit Leonese Maroc. I certainly hope people get this work and they're soaking in the information and RSIs are helping them because sometimes I wonder if RSIs are just to bitch about how stupid the French language is and help <laughs> us remember what happened last week. So if we're not doing well, tell us. We hope we're doing well. Yeah. Um, in Tunisia, where our agencies have attained satisfactory results, the conversations taken up with the Society Tunis- Tunisienne de Bank the Banca Commerciale Italiana, the Commerce Bank AG, and the Bank of America have ended in the creation of the Union Internationale des Banks with a capital of 700,000 dinars, which has taken over with effect from January 2nd, 1964, the working of our agency. So good, a good giant imperial bank conglomeration. Love that. Um, with the Association of the Republic of Chad, there was created in February 1963 the Bank de Chadine de Credit et de Pets, with a capital of 100 million francs CFA. These two participations helped to complete our representation in Black Africa, where our establishment is now interested in 11 banking companies. The French have maintained close monetary ties with the countries of former French West Africa and French Equatorial Africa. The Banque Centrale de Etats l'Afrique, l'Ouest, I, I guess that's the Bank of West Africa, if in French is what I'm getting. Let's go with it. 
yeah, controls the currencies of the Mauritania, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Upper Volta, Dahomey, and Niger. The currency issued by the bank is still called the CFA franc, but now, instead of Colonies Francaise d'Afrique, the initials mean Communité Financière Africaine. Oh, it's your <laughs> currency. It's a community, <laughs> not a colony. You got yep. upgraded. Upgrade. First upgraded. class. Welcome, welcome to the community. It's about recognition. Uh, <laughs> We're all a family here. That's right. We're a family company. <laughs> Uh, National monetary commissions have been set up in the various states, and there's a limited degree of African representation on the administrative council. The same does not apply to the Banque Centrale d'Etats l'Afrique Equatoriale et to Cameroon, BCEAC, which is concerned with the Congo Brazzaville, Gabon, and Central African Republic, Chad, and Cameroon. The National Monetary Commissions have the same powers as those in former French West Africa, but central bank administrators sit on them, and the Administrative Council is composed of Frenchmen. As a research group of the Department of Economics in the University of Ghana has pointed out, the most significant feature of the currency blocks is that the former exchange reserves of the franc zone countries are still pooled in France itself. They are estimated individually for each member, but cannot be drawn upon beyond a certain margin of credit governed in each case by a bilateral agreement with the French government. Local monetary policy, exchange control, and duty policy must operate within the framework of this central allocation from the French. Certain former French colonies, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Mali, and Guinea, have since independence established their own banks and currencies, but they have pegged their currencies to the front. The existence of separate monetary zones is having a harmful effect on the growth of trade in Africa. It is leading to illegal trade and revenue loss in many countries and makes an African common market difficult. Like the old artificial political boundaries, which are a relic of the colonial period, the various monetary zones help to emphasize differences when the independent African states should all be working for unified economic development. They perpetuate links with former colonial powers and strengthen the forces of neocolonialism. I really love yeah. when Nkrumah just like backhandedly throws the ideology in there that whoever is mm -hmm. reading this should have. So, like he's saying, uh, where is it? Like the old artificial political boundaries that are a relic of the colonial period. He really fucking hates the European determined borders of Africa. We, that's a big part of Pan-Africanism, right? Exactly. And, and he does not shy away from that. He just throws it in there randomly because it should be normative. Exactly. And that, and, and he does such a, again, when he, when he, because you can tell he's doing something similar to I've been comparing this lately to uh, these chapters here Mark, Marxist texts, a lot of them, other than Lenin. Lenin's the only one that he doesn't do it as much um, but most of them are are very, are broken up into like two parts. They're like, like the Jekyll and Hyde of Marxist text and it's the bangers where it's just anytime they're let off the leash they're just oh it just non-stop they hit hard and they attack right at what what is what is the problem they do it in such oh poetic and 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 impactful ways and then there's the showing our work side and that part can get tedious and i think that's the part that loses a lot of people um is when you have to show your work and cite out every we always joke that you know to be a to be a communist on the internet is to have to know everything about everything so that you can refute any little thing that comes at you at any given moment um and this is the reason why because these guys showed their work you have to show your work the only way to make this stuff stick is to be able to show hard and fast black and white material evidence it's not hopes and feelings and dreams and utopian ideas it's hard and irrefutable facts that are broken down oh and, and again marx did it in capital when we had to completely dissect the commodity we had to break everything down to its atom level and then i rebuild. was gonna say this this is your flashbacks of coats and linen this is my flashbacks of coats and linen no this is directly my flashback you had uh, du bois did the same thing du bois had a 700 page book i'm pretty sure 300 of those pages were going state by state through everything that happened during every period of reconstruction down to the penny uh, to show his work to show where there wasn't graft yeah. and, and and corruption and things like that and mm -hmm. and then here you have Nkrumah doing the same thing country by country set com company by company um bank by bank going through and listing out exactly where these harmful policies come from and exactly who perpetuates them and and then, the, then you get just paragraphs like that 
where it's just he just lets it all out and then says very clearly this is neo-colonialism this is what it does this is how it does it and it's it's a relic of the colonial period and we have to get rid of it yep and 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 even totally marxist putin does it with all the agreements with nato god that's gonna damn be it my, <laughs> that's gonna be my new running joke is marxist god, putin oh my god i'm just gonna uh, make a bunch of pictures of putin with the leaden beard david the problem is people are doing that that's it's it would be oh. funny if it was a joke but people think it and, and god i hate people don't and think then it. blanketly so and then blanketly paint the rest of us with a big broad brush that says we're dum-dums that worship putin come on oh we're, god it's a it's it annoying be so fun i'm so mad i know they take away all the fun a significant significant step forward in continental economic cooperation was taken in September 1964 when the African Development Bank was founded. Its headquarters are at Abidjan, Ivory Coast, and its membership is limited to independent African governments. All powers of the bank rest in the Board of Governors, each governor being a representative of a member state. The aim of the bank is to accelerate the economic development and social progress of its member countries. And to accomplish this, the bank is authorized to promote the investment of public and private capital in Africa. While foreign investment must be encouraged, it must be carefully regulated. I'm going to read that again. While foreign private investment must be encouraged, it must be carefully regulated so that it is directed to important growth sectors without leaving such control of such sectors in foreign hands. Here again, we see the need for unified planning. With the support of a union government and a continental code to govern foreign investment, the African Development Bank would be able to accelerate the stimulus it is already giving to the economic development of the continent. There's and so much just pan-Africanism packed in the last few paragraphs. That was of that a lot. That was that was a and, and again, we skipped a couple pages this this chapter. So I I you know, it was yeah. it was roughly the, around the length of a normal chapter, but we skipped two pages of reading bank. If you want to go back and read all the banks, uh look for a PDF of this book. They're out there. Um yeah. and then scroll to chapter 16 and then and then you know, you read it. It's fun. Yeah. Um that being said, that is where we are going to stop for the week uh we read less than we did last time but we also did a lot more current events because uh the world is a fun uh fun fun place and we need to be able to analyze it to live and not go insane um, and, and to this point we haven't lost the audio so hooray and to this point we might actually get to publish this episode which would be a fun yeah. exciting change of pace it only uh, took how many tries only took <laughs> tries number x number insert x number it's schrodinger's number of tries it could be infinity it could be zero uh that being said um i want to i want to do something i don't normally do i want to thank everybody that is listening to this um even if you're even if you you hate me and i i get that uh you're the fact that everybody keeps showing up uh, as it were, and actually downloading this podcast and then listening and then randomly telling your friends on Twitter and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I would have definitely gone insane without this small community over the last two years. Um, I would have, I would have, I would have absolutely lost my mind if I hadn't found this, this method of analysis, this way of looking at the world. Um, when I did, when I did, thank, thank, thank you, David. Thank you. Um, I, I would have, I, I'm pretty sure this, this whole thing would have broken me because the, the world doesn't make sense if you don't have a method of analyzing it. And that feeling of hopelessness, uh, goes away a little bit every time we get to show back up here and, and, and get together and talk and, and read through these works together and, and try and move forward, try and tangibly do something, uh, to move the cause forward and move us closer to, to the goal that we're all trying to realize. Um, so thank you. Thank you all sincerely. Uh, I, I, I would not have stayed sane without you. And the fact that you keep showing up and making me keep coming back in this closet and recording so that I don't feel guilty for, for not reading, uh, is, is all the little motivation I've needed to get through this. So thank you so much. I, I appreciate it more than, you know, um, that being said, there are a number of different ways that you could reach out to us if you wanted to do that. One of which is through uh, email. You can email us. We have an email address. It's marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. 
Uh, the next way you could do it would be to reach out to us on Twitter, uh, where all the good discourse happens. Uh, our <laughs> Twitter is at Mark's Madness Pod. Our DMs are open. We are there if you have questions, concerns, feedback, anything of the sort. Uh, and last but not least, if you really want to get through to us, you can show up in our Discord server. We have one. Uh, it's linked in our Twitter bio, or you can email us for the link. Um, that is where Nathan spends his time um, and where David shows up when called. Uh, it is a good community of people that I am so proud to be a part of. Um, they are, uh, a book club is rolling right along. They are getting ready to start. I think Washington bullets is what they've started on there. They're between that and back on the road by Shay. So it's going to be one or the other and it's coming up very soon. So if you want to jump into discord, uh, just for book club, there are plenty of people that are there just for that and don't want to deal with my ramblings, um, and, and various goings on throughout the day. So that is there for you as well. And if you play final fantasy 14 and you're a communist, come on down, come on, we're having fun. Um, that being said, David, I think it's time for a disclaimer. Absolutely, buddy. And so, you know, something that we started this podcast, uh, Nathan came up to me and he was like, I want to read Capital. And that's the kind of book you read with other people. Anytime you do theory history, you want to read it with other people so you can bounce things off other people so you can make sure you're remembering the work. You can make sure you get the full context and other sorts of input. It helps you remember. It helps you understand it. It helps you relate it back to your life. Um, and so it's good to be doing this in a group. And since we, we did that, we decided to record it. Hopefully we're, our group is going to be more than two people. And we did record, and lo and behold, thousands of people later, you're here. And ever since we started that, we had this vision that while I am very happy to be something that uh, helps make sense of the world and, and is therapeutic uh, for my very good friend here, um, and hopefully for some of you out there, <laughs> um, this is something that we want this to be, you know, a grain of sand in the scale on the side of revolution, right? And so a vision that we've always had is hopefully you're out there, you're not just using it for therapy, but you're out there in your parties, in your groups, and you're doing the work. And in those groups, they have political education groups or book clubs or reading groups of some kind. And hopefully they're reading this along with us. We can be another source of input, another source of context, another source of um, feedback on current events, on how this ties into today, whatever, to make that a better reading for you. And let's say that's not happening. Let's say those groups are working on something shorter or more applicable to a project that they're focused on, um, and you're reading this on your own. Hopefully we can be that reading group. We can give you another source of input, another source of context. We can help you remember it, soak it in, understand it, and get out of it what you need. And let's say that's not happening. Then whether it's a book like this that's more of an enhanced ebook where we add feedback and basically read it word for word except when we skip two pages of lists of banks, uh, or when it's something that we kind of summarize more like we've done in the past with, say, State and Revolution, um, whatever it is we can do to make these works more accessible to you because we want these works out there guiding your actions. And when these works are guiding you into revolutionary action, revolutionary action is guided by theory is a phenomenon called praxis. And of course, by definition, praxis doesn't exist exist without theory and without that praxis this theory is useless they go hand in hand they are tied at the hip amen as always that being said this has been mark's madness pod we read books my name is nathan my name's david and we will talk to you all next week bye, bye.